Welcome to FaithCast, a podcast presented by Publishers Weekly. FaithCast is a series of interviews with authors who write about inspiration, spirituality, and religion. I'm Lynn Garrett, Senior Religion Editor for Publishers Weekly. I'm talking today with Sister Joan Chittister about her new book, In God's Holy Light, Wisdom from the Desert Monastics. The desert monastics were thousands of monks and nuns who lived in the Egyptian deserts between the 3rd and 5th centuries. Sister Joan uses their sayings to offer wisdom and inspiration for spiritual seekers today. In God's Holy Light is being published in September by Franciscan Media, which is the sponsor of today's FaithCast. Sister Joan Chittister is an internationally known writer and lecturer, a Benedictine sister, and the author of more than 40 books. She has received numerous awards for her work for peace and for women in the church and in society. Sister Joan has headed major organizations for women in religious orders and is currently executive director of Bennett Vision, a research center for contemporary spirituality. She's also the director of Monasteries of the Heart, an outreach aimed at creating a monastery without walls for lay people. Welcome, Sister Joan. Thank you, Lynn. I'm happy to be here. The monastics you write about in In God's Holy Light gave up everything to live in the desert and lead very ascetic lives as a way of seeking and serving God. How can they be models and teachers for people like us who are used to their creature comforts? How can we relate to them today? Uh, it, it's it's absolutely the right question. When I Before I started the book, and I don't actually remember now what was the catalyst for the book, but I can remember saying to myself very clearly, Joan, what do you intend to do in this book? Uh, and I said to myself, I am asking this question. When you have a body of material that you take from the 3rd to the 5th century, pretty much intact, actually. One of the oldest set of spiritual writings, then, that we have in the Western world. When you are using or maintaining a body of material like that, why are you doing it? Are you doing it because it's an historical artifact? Is that it? That uh, it's so old it ought to be kept? Or is it possible that that because we uh, call it wisdom literature, if we are naming it correctly, then it ought to be witness to a wisdom, a human wisdom, that really touches every century. So in that case, it should have something to say to us. Now, there are over 2,000 of these sayings or little parables that have been collected across the ages. And I only took 35 or 40 of them, but I could honestly say that they fall in categories that are still common to our own life. We need these. This, this is some of the oldest spiritual insight that we have to offer the world today. You call these desert mothers and fathers the Olympians of spiritual life. What do you mean by that? Well, I say they have been known as the Olympians of spiritual life, meaning we have an image of the desert monastics as living in in total withdrawal and um, deeply ascetical lives. 
half-starved, not dressed, uh, no creature comforts. And that's true. And that's true. That's not wrong. But at the same time, it's coming out of a period that's very different of ours to begin with. So here they are. We have this notion that they were extremely ascetic, extremely out of touch, extremely uh, self-contained and remote and reclusive and eremitical. But the actual reality, Lynn, is that, yes, they lived in the desert. They went to the desert from the 3rd to the 5th century because by that time Christianity had been legitimated. It was no longer being persecuted, whatever degree of persecution there may have been in certain periods, that it was acceptable in the, in the um, public domain. When it became acceptable, <laughs> they said to themselves, well, if everybody's Christian, nobody's Christian. I mean, uh, nobody's really living a, a, a really committed spiritual life. So they moved out of the city and they went to the desert to form these communities of hermits where they would have mutual support and, and live a, a lifestyle that was devoid of the distractions of a, of a more urbane population. However, the interesting thing is that the people knew that they had done that and they knew that they were living these wonderful holy lives and they followed them to the desert. These become the spiritual directors of their times. People go out there and they say, Father, Mother, give me a word. That was a phrase that meant, like we would say, say something good to me today, would you? Uh, tell me something about what you think holiness is. Tell me uh, how to deal with this, this difficulty I'm in. Uh, mother, Father, give me a word. So for instance, one of the words which range anywhere from a phrase to two or three or four paragraphs. Uh, Abba Pullman said of Abba Pior, every day he made a new beginning. Think of it. Give me a word. I'm, I'm a terrible sinner. My life is a mess. Uh, I, my, even my kids don't love me. I can't seem to get it together. Uh, give me a word. Yes. Abba Pullman said of Abba Pior, every day he made a new beginning. That's your word. Think about it. Deal with it. That's what you have to understand. Yesterday's failure does not doom you forever. Yesterday's faults do not mean that you're a bad person. Yesterday was yesterday. Now today you must make a new beginning. Clearly, Lynn, that's a wisdom we could all use, isn't it? Yes, that's certainly, that's very accessible for modern people. Yeah. What surprised me about many of the sayings um, that you used in the book is that they're, they weren't at all harsh or judgmental, as, as you, one might expect. They're, they're, they aren't really about rule keeping, but there are other sayings that emphasize the effort and discipline required to live a spiritual life, and that seems like a bit of a paradox. How do you hope readers will make sense of that? Well, in the first place, I don't think it's too much of a paradox. They're not asking for excessive discipline. They're not requiring, ex they aren't saying to anybody, now we only eat here uh, two times 
uh, a week, and you shouldn't be either. They don't say that. They say you must discipline yourself. You must be able to say no to yourself. You must build your spiritual spine. Amma Sinclitica says when somebody comes to her and so asks your question, you know, I, I try, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that this makes any sense. I'm not getting any place. And Amma Sinclitica says, remember this, at first there is smoke. When you try to build a fire, it takes a while for the fire to come. Keep building. In other words, don't quit. The spiritual life isn't something that you get once and for all, or that you get all of it at one time. It's like building a fire. At first, the wood is a little wet, and the smoke comes. But be patient. Be patient. The, the fire will take hold. That's not excessive. Uh, it's kind. It says, be patient with yourself. Yes, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. And in the end, you will be happier for having persevered. One of the things that you write about in the book is that leading a spiritual life shouldn't be a competition, that trying to be holy can become an ego trip. How can that be avoided? That's, that's, that's probably the, one of the better questions that can be asked. Because, you see, we institutionalize religion to the point that keeping the rules has commonly become more important than, than becoming a righteous, a just, a merciful, a kind, a holy person. And then on top of that, the rules begin, begin to consume everything. They consume our lives. Now, why would we let that happen? Because our egos want to know our score. How do you score, Lynn? How often have you been to church? How much candy did you give up during Lent? How much time uh, do you spend saying your rosary? Um, what great fast do you keep regularly? Click, 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 check, 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 check. And then we compare papers. Lynn, your score's four. My score's five. Now you keep working at it. That's an ego trip. When, as a matter of fact, the desert monastics, who frankly were very disciplined people, were trying to say to people, discipline is good as it is for any athlete. You, you, ask, you ask the local linebacker how much time he spends in the gym and how many push-ups he does every morning. He can give you an accurate response to both of those. And when you say to him, uh, how good are you at analyzing the next play? How fast are you in comparison with, with the other guys around you? I don't know. I don't know. It all depends on the situation. These people are trying to keep us straight, trying to make us understand the difference between holiness and regularity. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood here. I believe that as in, as in athletics, training and discipline keeps us centered on what we're doing. I'm not saying that it's not important. I'm saying that's not all of it. That's not even the greater part of any religious 
uh, and spiritual commitment to growth. In some of the later chapters, you, you cover some of those practical ways to structure one's life to be more spiritual. Can you talk a little bit about those? Abba Pullman, they tell the story of Abba Pullman, who the other younger monks in the community ask him for his spiritual advice. And they said to them, Abba Pullman, if, if a brother, if you saw a brother sleeping during prayer, what, what would you do? What should we do? Should we wake him up or should we discipline him? And Abba Pullman said, well, if I saw a brother sleeping during prayer, I would put his head on my knees and let him sleep. In other words, is going to prayer a good thing? Yes. Is being alert while you're there a good thing? Yes, if you want to be a reflective person. If concentrating on, on prayer is the center of your life, is that a good thing? Yes. But what if... A lot of other things have just worn you down that week. The kids were awake all night. You had to work overtime twice. The washing machine broke down and you had to do it all by hand. And by the time it got to, to supper time and think of cooking that big dinner, you said, we're having toasted cheese tonight. Now, was that, is that a good thing for a, for a parent to do? Uh, not all the time. Is it necessary sometime? Yes. Should somebody accuse that parent of being uncaring about the family? No, not if you are looking at the whole picture. So the desert monastics are saying to us over and over again, life is a process. Spirituality is, has something to do with growth, not growth of soul, growth of person, growth of personality, growth of spirituality not just attendance, not regularity, uh, not these disciplines that we do by rote. It has something to do with what's going on inside you, not what you're doing outside, as, as important as self-discipline may be. Yeah, there's a lot there that's helpful for modern people. I, I felt, as I was reading it, I felt surprisingly so. What would you say the central message of your book is? Well, it, it is that, I guess I've been trying to say it in a sense, that wisdom, spiritual wisdom tells us that it's living life, li living your ordinary life extraordinarily well is the essence of your full development. That doesn't mean that you do it by rote and routine. It doesn't mean that you create regulations for yourself which you keep invariably and forever. It means that you, your goal is to live a good life well. And by that I mean to live well with others, to, to treat yourself well with patience and kindness and understanding. And that you don't allow religion ever to be the cross upon your back and the burden of your soul that your spiritual life should be what sustains you through all the efforts of life, all the mistakes, all the, all the faults, all of the failures. It's your spiritual life that should be able to say to you, every day make a new beginning. Every day start over. Don't worry about yesterday. 
let's just keep moving toward this goal of living the ordinary life extraordinarily well, smiling at your husband, laughing with the kids, doing other people um, the favor of your presence, and taking care of yourself so that that virtue can really grow in you and be a gift to everybody around you. Well, that's a very modern message, if I may say so. Our time is ending. Thanks so much, Sister Joan, for talking with us today. Lynn, thanks for your interest. I, I, I must admit, I'm wondering how many people out there might not be as surprised as you uh, at the fact that uh, the, the, the wisdom that comes down to us from the centuries could save us an awful lot of pressure today. That's true. That's true. Sister Joan Chittister's new book, In God's Holy Light, Wisdom from the Desert Monastics, is being published in September by Franciscan Media. Franciscan Media is the sponsor of today's FaithCast. I'm Lynn Garrett from Publishers Weekly. Thanks for listening.